Oh, my friends, here we are. I'm really glad that for some of you, even social distancing meant that you didn't have to change pews. Oh, I would have gotten an email, don't you know? Thank God. Dave Jones is way back there in the back where he always is. Friends, it is so good to be in this space. I saw people walk in for the 9 o'clock worship hour, and I said to them, if I stand up and don't weep, we'll just call it success. There's something about being in this space, about hearing our musicians transform us. There's something about having our arms around our kids. Remembering uh, that everything could be going wrong out there. But in here, here, this is how we make sense of it all. In here, this is the place where we have the vulnerability to say we need help. In this space, this is the space where we hear a chorus of voices Remind us of God's grace that we rest in every day of our lives. So, oh, my friends, may we settle into this space. And as we turn to the word read and proclaimed, will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Hover here. Hover in this sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation, oh God. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words and into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Confirmance, I want to tell you something about your parents this morning. It was, I don't know, 2006, 2007, uh, 14, 15 years ago. The font was right here on the floor. And um, if you didn't get baptized here, there was a font on a floor somewhere. And your parents, uh, this was long before you knew who uh, God was. Long before you even knew what love felt like, uh, I know this is hard to believe, this was even before you even knew what real food tasted like. But your parents, um, they were really tired. (laughs) And uh, because you were young, you were a baby. And so uh, they had some redness in their eyes and they showed up here after they wrestled you in one of those beautiful baptismal gowns and they stood here on the floor and they held you just like this. And your mom thought this, this is the most beautiful baby that has ever been born on the face of the earth. And your father stood there going, please don't vomit. And they uh, presented you for the sacrament of baptism. And it, uh, it, in this church, it was Blair or Elizabeth or Fran or somebody. And they asked your parents, do you promise to follow 
Jesus the Christ as you go about your daily life and your parents thought, with God's help, sure. And then the minister said, "Uh, will you teach this little infant the faith? Will you teach him how to pray and how to forgive and how to walk in this world following the Christ? And your parents said, yeah, 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 we'll do that. And then your parents handed you over to the minister and the minister took water and they poured it on your head. It was a physical sign of an invisible reality that in that water you were claimed and loved and chosen forever. Confirmands, you need to know, you're sitting next to your mom and your dad this morning, and I know they feel like they're there, but their brains are back 15 years ago. And this morning, your mom and your dad are saying this, How did we get here? Where did the time go? If I only knew then, I wouldn't have wished any of it away, even the diapers. Confirmands, I know that um, today, The church sometimes talks about this Sunday as being a Sunday where you just merely confirmed the promises that your parents made on your behalf. And it can sometimes feel like, okay, I got to confirm what my parents believe. Or I got to confirm what I happen to believe at this particular moment in my life. Or it can feel like I am going to confirm that what I believe right now will never change. We do you a disservice if we talk about confirmation in that way. And this is why. I want you to think about confirmation in a different light. What if confirmation was asking you to confirm that you want to follow the ways of Jesus for the rest of your life? What if confirmation Sunday was actually about saying, I want to confirm to seek the Christ in the world? What if we thought about confirmation as saying, even when everything changes and times get hard, I want to seek the grace, mercy, and love of God in Christ. It then would make this Confirmation Sunday less about what we happen to believe in this very moment and much more about confirming that we want to be followers of the way of Jesus. And let's be clear. Jesus cares about what we believe. But even more, Jesus cares about how what we believe takes on flesh in the world. And this is why I believe that. If we were to read all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, very good, we would notice this. Jesus only asked people to to believe in him three times. If the masters would allow it this Sunday afternoon, someone would have a sign at the masters that says John 3, 16. That's one of three times Jesus says, believe in me. Do you know how many times Jesus says, follow me? 22. 
Here's what's interesting about when Jesus invites people to follow him into a a life of faith, into the journey of faith. Jesus doesn't say, uh, before grace you uh, follow me, I need you to say that you believe in me. Say a particular prayer, turn around three times, I'll give you the secret handshake, and then I'll show you the secret path. It's funny, Jesus never does that. At least not in my Bible. If you have a Bible where that's true, send it to me. I want to read it. Jesus simply says, follow me. It's almost like Jesus knows that a belief system that takes on flesh is going to change. It's going to have to. A lo- it's almost like God knows this. A love that becomes incarnate in Jesus the Christ is going to change the world. Oh, I think Jesus knows that when we seek the path of following Christ, our beliefs are going to be deepened because they will be challenged. What we happen to believe today will probably not be what we believe in 20 years from now. And how we view the world as followers of this way may be different than how the world views itself. But what does it look like to follow Christ? I'm glad you asked. Will you pull out your pew Bibles? We're going to open it to the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. And I think Jesus uh, gives Peter an example of how this followership of Christ takes on flesh. Um, This is not going to be our normal scripture passage where I just read it and then say, this is the word of the Lord. I want to tease out some things in the text, but I want you to have it in front of you because I want to point a couple things out. This is what we should know. Uh, Jesus has been crucified, dead, buried. He has been resurrected, and this is one of the first times his disciples see him as a, in his resurrected form in the flesh. Uh, the disciples have gone back to the family business. They were fishermen. And Jesus has prepared brunch for them on the shore. Listen to what happens next. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this way of life? The safety found in these fish Simon, son of John, do you agape me? It's the Greek word uh, for love, unconditionally. Uh, Do you love me unconditionally? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. In the Greek, it's not the same. He says, yes, Lord, you know I filio you. Filio means, I like you a lot. Anybody ever use that as a response after someone told you that they loved you? That's a nervous laugh. How did it go? Anybody want to tell us about it this morning? That's, it's not what Jesus was looking for, right? Listen to what happens next. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Feed my children. A second time, uh, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I feel you. 
And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you feel you me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you feel you me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I feel you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, when you were one of those lambs, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after all of this, this is what Jesus said to him. Follow me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't it interesting, my dear friends? Isn't it interesting that when Peter doesn't have the right answer about the depth of his belief or affection or love for Jesus, Jesus doesn't end the conversation? Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say, well, if you can't agape me, then it's over. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says uh, to Simon, son of Peter, I'll meet you where you are. If you can only like me a lot, I'll meet you right there. And then I'm going to show you, I'm going to invite you, how that love can grow. Jesus said, uh, I'll meet you in the love that you have right now, Peter, and then I'm going to invite you to care for my children, my lambs. And if you still can't love me, then I'm going to meet you right where you are, and I'm going to ask you to tend my sheep, which is not the same thing as fe feeding an infant, by the way. Uh, parents, you are tending your sheep right now. You're looking on them from afar. <laughs> and then when Jesus asked him a third time, Jesus says, if you still can't agape me, I'll change the whole thing. Do you feel you, me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I can feel you, you. And Jesus says, well, then go feed sheep that apparently can't feed themselves. It's almost like Jesus knows. It's almost like Jesus knows that our love and our belief is going to have to change and grow and evolve and adapt over time. It's like Jesus knows that the longer that we are in relationship with the Christ, the more we seek to follow him, that our love is going to take on different forms. It's going to take on flesh in different ways. And we apparently believe in a Christ who meets us right where we are. <laughs> I was uh, taught this by Bill and Olive Timberlake. Olive and Bill Timberlake were in their 90s when I was an intern at their church at the First Presbyterian Church in Hartsville, South Carolina. Said just like that, by the way, Hartsville. 
They had been going to that church from the day they got married. And they were in worship every single week unless one of them had a fever over 100 degrees. Sarah and I had just been married. I was interning there. And for the last month of my internship, we lived in Bill and Olive's basement. Just what Sarah dreamed when she married me. (laughs) Every night we would have supper together. That's right, supper, not dinner. And Olive made it all by hand every day. Some of those uh, suppers were among my greatest memories. One night at supper, I said to Bill and Olive, I said, you all always sit right there on the second pew center aisle on the pulpit side. Seems awfully close. Why do you sit there? Bill smiled, leaned back from the table and said, you'll have to ask Olive about that. And I thought, oh, this is going to be good. I said, Olive, why do you sit there? She said, well, you know, we used to sit about three quarters of the way back. And I said, oh, so you can make a quick exit. And she said, yes. I said, what made you change? She said, Matthew, it was the 1970s in South Carolina. You weren't born yet. I said, no, I wasn't. No, ma'am. She said, in the 1970s in South Carolina, some of our schools had yet to integrate. And our churches were still segregated. And she said, our session, uh, our board at the church kept having conversations about what it meant to be Christians in the world in 1970. And so they issued a statement, very Presbyterian of them, about welcoming all people to worship. And a month later, we walk into the back of the sanctuary, and we sit down in our normal seat. And I look up, and as we're about to sit down, I notice that there was an African-American family on the second pew, center aisle, pulpit side. And Olive said, what was interesting is all the normal people who used to sit right there in those first three pews, they were nowhere to be found. And I sat down and I thought to myself, those people shouldn't be sitting alone. And so I said to Bill, Bill, get up. (laughs) And Bill said, I do what she says. And they walked down the center aisle of that Presbyterian church. And Bill and Olive Timberlake stood right there. And Olive Timberlake said, hey there, I'm Olive Timberlake and this is my husband, Bill. We noticed you were sitting by yourselves. Can we sit with you this Sunday? The family stood, the Johnsons. Mother, father, daughter, son. And they said that would be awfully nice. And I said, if you just scoot in, we'll sit right next to you if you don't mind. They said, we don't mind at all. And Olive said, and so we've sat on the second pew, center aisle, pulpit side, every Sunday since. Michael Crow is trying to do the math. For 50 years. You know, Olive died a year ago, 103. 
And if she would have lived to be 104 and was alive today, don't you know where she would be right now? Second pew, pulpit side. Center aisle. All of Olive's faith, everything that she believed, took on flesh. And I know as Presbyterians, it sounds like all she did was change a pew. And I know that sounds like a miracle, but it was more than that. She said, I noticed you were alone. And I think we belong to one another. You know what's funny? I started walking around the church and I started asking people um, who were kids back when Olive and Bill Timberlake I said, do y'all remember that Sunday sometime in the 1970s when Bill and Olive came and they changed their pew from the back to the front? They said, oh, yeah. I said, how do you remember? They said, we talked about it at lunch. (laughs) And they said, but you know what? They sat there ever since, and they have made sure every person who's ever visited this church never felt alone. When we brought kids into this world... Olive and Bill Timberlake were the first people to come out and hug that baby. Isn't it interesting, on this Confirmation Sunday, we think that this is an invitation for our confirmands to confirm that they're going to be followers of the way. We'd miss the point. It's also an opportunity for us, my dear friends, to reconfirm that we want to be followers of the way. Do you know how you worship matters? Do you know how faith takes on flesh in your office and in your marriage matters? Do you know how you pray at bedtime and before meals? It matters. Do you know why it matters? Because you are the Olive and Bill Timberlakes of Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. For 15 years, our confirmands have been watching you. They've been learning from you. And you thought you just came to worship. For 15 years, they've been watching elders and deacons line up and hand the body and blood of Christ to you. But don't take my word for it. You should hear it from them. Confirmands, will y'all come up here and join me? Just like we practiced. Come on up and go ahead and go to your microphones and pull it off the stand and you can move your mask down so we can hear from you. Friends, I want you to hear from them what this place means, this church. I want you to hear from them why their faith matters. Hear from them. Go for it. My faith has been shaped by my parents because they listened to me. Mm. My faith has been shaped by the birth of my siblings. My faith was shaped by my grandfather. Growing up, I would go to church with him, and a lot of the time when the choir was singing or the orchestra was playing, I would see tears in his eyes. I'm not sure why, 
But this made me realize that here, people see God in all sorts of different places. My faith, my faith has been shaped by my dad. There are definitely moments when I am with him where I can see God. My faith has been shaped by my siblings, Claire and Mason. My faith, has, my faith was shaped by members of this church, Walter, Sarah, Maggie, and Marty Lohman. My faith has been shaped by the youth in the youth house because everyone shows up for each other and loves unconditionally. My faith has grown on the youth house porch because it's a place to talk, learn, and listen. My faith has been shaped in Sunday school from a very young age. My faith has been shaped on the small island of Ocracoke, North Carolina, and the beauty of God's creation. My faith has been shaped by this church, particularly the youth house, because the people in this community have made me feel welcomed, accepted, and loved. My faith has grown at Lockins and on mission trips, at worship in the house, and in conversations with my mom. My faith was built on the faith of my mother and My faith was born at Mo Ranch, the place where I first felt God. I believe that God loves us all equally, no matter what. I believe that God is omnipotent, loving, accepted, and almighty. I believe that God is proud of us. I believe Jesus was loving, present, and a listener. I believe that Jesus is a brother who has walked before me and has experience with what I will go through. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believe that the church is a loving group of people with similar beliefs that is a safe place for members and non-members alike. I believe serving is an important part of following God. I believe that being Christian means caring for all of God's creation. I want to thank everyone at this church who has helped me understand God throughout my life. I believe the church is a family of people who are binded by God's love and are showing God's love to others. This is what we believe. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Who taught him that? Wasn't me. I wasn't here. Friends, you are the Bill and Olive Timberlakes of this world. You are the Bill and Olive Timberlakes to this group of young people, and you're going to be the Bill and Olive Timberlakes to my kids. Friends, on this Confirmation Sunday, the invitation is for us to confirm that we want to seek the ways of Jesus in the world. This day, and for the rest of our lives, let us pray. Oh God, we believe Help our unbelief, and by your grace, may these words take on flesh. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Confirmand, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you all.